0: All right, man, Jimmy Palumbo show, show number two. I'm so pumped up because... Just to get an intro to that song, which is a song called Stay Alive, by a a band called the Southern Cross Band. Now, if you were going to rock clubs and hanging out in New Jersey in like the late 70s and early 80s, uh, mid-70s to early 80s, really, this band, the Southern Cross Band, would absolutely uh, just rock to Southern rock. I mean, they did Almonds, Hatchet, Skinner, Marshall Tucker, 38 Special, And, you know, years ago they had rock clubs, so you'd be, there'd be a big stage at the one end, and then there'd be like 700 or 1,000 people boxed in like cattle, all pumped up just to listen to this band, Um, and the band consisted of uh, Sonny and Joe Pruitt, and uh, Michael Tiny Dykes on the guitar, and uh, another lead guitar, and uh, JT on the drums, and they just were... Totally, I mean, I can't even, I I watch some of their stuff on uh, YouTube now. They've been posting, Joe and Sonny, the Pruitt brothers, they've been posting uh, some stuff. And they're also, they became the Mango Brothers, and now they still are involved in music, especially down by the Jersey Shore. But their music was awesome. They were like, they were as good as Bon Jovi or any of those bands. Um, they, And, you know, they were, like, at the same level as Twisted Sister. um, And even the guys on Twisted Sister always respected the Southern Cross Band. They were great. And I, we became friends with them. We had them at backyard parties, and it's just awesome. I can't even tell you. But, yeah, that's awesome. I want to give a big shout-out to the Southern Cross Band, especially Sonny and Joe Pruitt. Uh, for giving me access to that song. And uh, if you can check them out on uh, Facebook or, you know, find them, just find them, Southern Cross Band. It's awesome. Or the Mango Brothers, and uh, you'll totally dig that. That's one of my dreams, to be able to put a song on my show that I like. I mean, I don't know if the listeners like it, but I don't really care. I think it's a kick-ass opening song. Um, so, And um, there's a special song at the end of the show that I have to bring out by a song by a friend of mine called Matty Barrow, who I met in LA and he's a kick-ass rocker too. And, um, so I know him as so I called him up and I said, listen, I got some songs for the intro. I need a song for the outro. So he's like, all right. So a uh, big shout out to my boys out in LA and, um, and Matt Barrow and you can check out his stuff around. Um, and, uh, you'll dig his stuff too. So here we are. Show number two. Um, what do I got to say other than um, ecstatic? Yesterday was finally um, when they announced the uh, selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament, and my Scarlet Knights um, are uh, uh, in the tournament. They are the tenth seed. They play Friday night at nine twenty Eastern Standard Time. They take on Clemson. I don't know anything about Clemson, nor do I care. All I know is the last time Rutgers was in the tournament was nineteen ninety one. I mean, there's probably listeners who were not alive in 1991. None of my nephews were alive. There was no, like, cable had just come out. <laughs> we had to go watch the game at uh, Poor Billy's in Woodbridge. A lot of you guys remember that that place. And they had a huge satellite dish, and they had to, like, spin it around. Um, and so th- I, I absolutely can't wait to uh, watch the game. It's exciting. I hope they win, but you know what? It's nice to just... You know, it's like getting laid for the first time. You don't really care who it is. <laughs> you just got, you're, you're thrilled to be there. So that's uh, that's how I'm looking at it. But um, yeah, that was exciting. I think uh, there's good things happening. Rutgers really has been lousy for a long time. The football team is uh, you know they're going to turn it around. Chiano's back, and the basketball team finally really made it stake by um, by you know completely saying, "Hey, we're in the tournament now." So hopefully, the kids will come out. And they'll play well and they'll get the win, and that would be awesome to play on Sunday. I'll be losing my mind. Maybe play the number two seed, Houston, which would be fun. But, you know, but uh, I think by the time the show airs, it'll be all over by then, so we don't know. If I come in next week to do the show, then, you know, I'll be miserable if they lose. But I'm totally excited. Go, are you? I'm a Rutgers fan. Everybody knows that, but that's not all I watch. It's just uh, that's all I'm into. But uh, this whole weekend's been so weird. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but uh, – Um, this daylight savings thing, I, you know, is it me? I guess I'm such a lazy bastard. I, when moving that hour is the most miserable thing, I feel like I'm jet lagged. I'm like, I'm tired. And everybody's like, oh no, it means spring and the sun. Like, yeah, maybe I'll feel that way in a week. But right now, man, I was like, man, you know, eight o'clock in the morning came an hour quicker. I wasn't ready for that. I just hate that. I hate the, you know, I like to fall back and get the extra hour, you know. I remember back in the day, me and my buddy went to uh, the uh, Mets. Mets were playing the Red Sox in that famous World Series game uh, with uh, Mookie Wilson at the end, and we thought the bar closed at two, and turns out the bar was open till three. Now on daylight savings time, they you know two o'clock is when they move the clocks back or forward, and the crazy thing was. The game went on for so long. We ended up half in the bag, and then at two o'clock they were like, "It's fall back. It's not one o'clock." So, and the bar was open till three. We were in there for like nine hours. We stumbled out of that. I don't even know how we got home. Probably took a taxi or something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe some girl drove us home. I have no idea. I just remember being in. Uh I can't think of the name of the bar right now, but I will as it's right here on the route thirty five at warbridge uh not poor Billy's, but the other one I think it might even still be there it's the guy's name um I will totally think of that bar, and it's going to annoy my soul. And my friends are going to be yelling at me. How could you forget the name of that place? It wasn't Riffy's. I'll tell you that. God rest Riffy's soul. That place got the place got torn down. But uh, I was—I'll never forget that. Just out, you know, drinking, and then they move the clocks back, and you're like, "Wow, this is a, this is going to be a long night of drinking here." But. Uh, yeah, daylight savings, like ah, enough already. I, I tried to figure out why they even do that. Something with farming, and no one, no one in New Jersey, even though we got a lot of farms, nobody really cares about that. All they know is you lose sleep or you gain sleep, and that's it. But yeah, this whole weekend, I just been, uh, I've been off. But you know what? Rutgers made the tournament, so what are you going to do? You know. Then today, I spent half the day online with uh, uh, tech support with Apple when my Mac got screwed up. And anybody who knows. We've all had that being on the phone for hours with tech support. Guys started yelling at me and stuff. I was yelling back at them. It was a nightmare. And they never even fixed the problem. I have to even call back tomorrow with a case number. We're going to give you a case number, sir. It's like, oh, my God. But anyway, of course, the Knicks won over the weekend. That's good. My Knicks are playing better ball. I love that. And um, I actually watched a couple of movies. The Screen Actors Guild sends us uh, movie screeners and uh, – I watched a a, a good one uh, called The Father with uh, Anthony Hopkins, and uh, it was good. The acting's great. He could maybe win the Academy Award, but you know what? The material, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia. And if you know anybody who went through that, I, I don't know, man. That's one of those movies I'll never watch again. You know, solid performance, but it was just just one of those movies. The subject matter it was like well, it was so depressing. You know what I mean? Um, I just, uh, but I got the screener, I popped it in and I watched it. So um, I just was like, I, I don't know if I want, can I recommend this movie? God forbid, you know, if your parents had dementia or Alzheimer's and you watch this movie, maybe you'll find it, I don't know, refreshing. I I, I don't know. I just, it's like, it was like, it's like being out of wake for two hours. You know, I just, um, I just couldn't stand it. You know, Anthony Hopkins is great. He always is. But, you know, uh, perfectly cast because he's old enough to actually probably have dementia. So you didn't know if he's acting or does he really have dementia? No, I just threw Anthony Hopkins under the bus. I'm sure he's a big fan of Beer League and all my work. (laughs) I'm sure if you go to Anthony Hopkins' podcast, he's going to be like, you know, I was thinking about Jimmy Palumbo and his work in Beer League as Johnny Trino. Um, He just, you know, he was a little uh, little light in that performance. But... uh, yeah, that movie was just rough, man. I don't know uh, I don't know. That's a, but you know what, go check it out. I think it's going to get um, it's going to win some awards. So um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about, I figured I figured it'd be fun uh, since I uh, I have been acting now for 30 years, so I figured it'd be funny to maybe talk about uh a bo- one of the bookings that I've uh, that I've done over the years. And uh, I guess I'll start off with a big one. Sometimes when I tell people about the booking, they get a kick out of it. And, um, you know, I always feel like it's like me talking about myself. But some of the bookings were cool over the years. And, uh, you know, you get lucky you book these things. You're up against a lot of talented people. And, you know, it's like winning the pick three, as I say. Sometimes your number gets called, you know. And um, I was in an acting class, actually, when I found out during the break of the acting class, after like two hours into this uh, acting class, I got the call that I – I booked the show. The show is Friends, and it was the season finale, the one where uh, Jennifer Aniston has a baby, or Rachel has the baby, which is the name of the episode. And the cool thing is that uh, People Magazine just came out, and uh, she actually talks about what's her favorite episode. And not only does she say the episode I was in, she mentions the scene that I was in. She mentions all the actors by name except for me, but, which is fine because she don't know who the hell I am. But she she calls me the the guy. They start calling the guy a sick fat bastard and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, she's talking about. So I actually had the balls to call up her agent. I got it all online. Forget this guy's not going to return my email. I wrote. I said, hey, I was in an episode of Friends with Jen. And the guy emailed me back. He said, oh yeah, I'll tell Jen you said a lot. I was like, you know, what I, mean? I was like, listen, what is she doing next week? Maybe we'll go out for coffee or something like that. But no, I was uh, cool to be mentioned in. Uh, in People Magazine, I got a kick out of that. But what was cool at the time is they shoot that show on the Warner Brothers lot, and uh, I lived in L.A. for ten years, and I, I still think the coolest lot in in Los Angeles is the the Warner Brothers lot. It's it's just got that that old school feel. It's got the the water tank. It says WB on it. It's um it, it's just got the it's so cool, uh, and it's like everybody's dream. And you and they have a list on each. Um, each separate, um, uh, you know, uh, where they shoot the different shows. They have a list of all the different movies and TV shows that were shot inside that individual studio. And I would just walk around during lunch and just read all the shows. of such famous movies. You can't believe the stuff that Warner Brothers, uh, you know, Jack Warner, you know, did. It was just walking around and you really feel, you know, in L.A., it's so rare that you feel like you're in showbiz because you strike out all the time. You strike out, you strike out. And then when you hit a home run, you just want to, it's like being at Yankee Stadium. You don't want to leave. You just want to walk around Yankee Stadium until they tell you to go home. So I walked around there. and uh, But I, I had done a bunch of shows before that, and, and they were all good shows, whatever. And I'll, I'll talk about more as the, you know the weeks go on. But man, when you're doing Friends, man, they put me up in this little room uh, that had like, it was a huge room, and it was one of the older ones so like the 30s and 40s. Had a couch, your own telephone, TV. Somebody comes up, hey, Mr. Plumbo, would you like any breakfast or anything? I'm like, yeah, get bacon, egg, and cheese on a hard roll, you know. Of course, it came out on some funky L.A. roll, but that's another story. And you were getting like treated like you were like, I felt like I was one of those movie stars, you know. And then when we came into the set, uh, onto the set. I wasn't, I don't know why I wasn't nervous. This was the biggest show on television by far. And I was like, I was like Sinatra at the Sands. I felt like I was playing softball in, in Jersey. I don't know why I, I should have been nervous. I wasn't. And, um, they put, um, they had like this big black banner in a uh, black wall in front of the actual individual sets, you know, the coffee, uh, shop and, and the apartment, and all that. And, um, and so, and I, I get in costume, I'm getting ready to go, and there was a bunch of fake pregnant women around, because that's what the episode was about, and um, everybody seemed nervous, and I wasn't. I don't know why. I Usually, yeah, I, everybody gets a little, you know, you get that feeling in your stomach. I didn't have that for that show. I don't know why. And next thing you know, I'm like, eh, there's a studio audience in there, and they're, you know, they're excited. But all of a sudden, they cranked the music. Like, it's loud, and it was the crowd Went nuts. And then the announcer was like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the taping of the season finale, of friend. The place was like, it was like being at like Yankee Stadium or Fenway. It was nuts. And I was like, I realized, whoa, I'm in the big leagues here, man. This is a different game. And so when we started taping our scene, next thing you know, I'm, I hadn't met you. You don't meet Jennifer Aniston until, you know, the rehearsals and stuff. So there they all were, all looking glamorous and stuff but of course Jennifer Aniston was supposed to be pregnant so she didn't have all the makeup on she still looked good though let me tell you that and everybody looked good but everybody always asked me uh, how was the cast were they cool and I'm like well they were getting paid 1.2 million dollars to work like three four hour days like what would have to happen to you at work if you got paid $1.2 million a week? Like outside of somebody poking me something in the ass, I would, even that I might even take that one for the team. Like, hey, honey, I'm sorry, but, you know, I got to take one for the team. I mean, they were very relaxed because they're making $1.2 million. And um, so we 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 did the scene. It was me and Debbie Mazar played the couple. And uh, she uh, she was a little nervous, too. She said she hadn't done a live taping in a while. And I still don't know why I was nervous. So we started rehearsing our scene in front of the audience. And she went up on a line and she started to uh, – and I knew they were going to yell cut. She started to like curse, like, you know, um, uh, you know she said more than what aired. And uh, she didn't say the F word, but I think she might have said, you know, shit or something like that. And I, me and her, I just started improv with her. Audience went nuts. So <laughs> – we get done. I realized, oh man, that can piss off a producer We like, you know. But like Jennifer Aniston and the other guy, what's his name? Uh, uh, Schwimmer was there. Look at me. I sound like my father now. Who's the guy there? Schwartz Silverstein. No. It was Schwimmer. He was there and uh, they didn't say anything. They were like giggling and the producer came over. He's like, uh, okay, you know you can't talk like that on this show. and I'm like, no, I know. We just got carried away. So we do the scene and then I had to do a scene when I have to peer behind the curtain there and – my, my sight line was off. So the director comes up to me. and He's like, hey, Jimmy, you're looking too high up. You got to look in a certain spot for the camera angle. I was like, Oh well, yeah, to, to where do you want to look? And he's like, well, let's see. And he looks over and he sees Jennifer Aniston there. And she'll kill me or he'll kill me. If, if I, but it's true what he said. He goes, you know what? You got to kind of just like stare at her ass like that's the angle. And I looked at him. I was like, hey, pal, I assure you. I have no problem staring at Jennifer Aniston's ass. You know what I mean? It's like, I got it. Decent. I got it. I got it. So we did the scene and, uh, um, she was very sweet. Uh, we, the audience was laughing hard and, um, she said to she, she said, well, she said right to me, she goes, you are so funny. You are so funny. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks a lot, you know? And, um, so next thing you know, we, we shoot the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, they line up for like the bow. And they introduced the five major players, you know. And the crowd absolutely goes nuts, like going crazy. But then they introduced Debbie Mazar. And people knew who she was, you know, from uh, Goodfellas. And, but this is before Entourage and a bunch of other stuff she did. And she got like a nice – she got like a – you know, because like, it was – she was the first one after the regulars, you know. And then they said my name and the crowd went nuts. And so much so that the, the regulars – bowed down to look like it was almost like who's that asshole getting that kind of response and I gave a wave like that and then the rest of the cast didn't get nearly I'm like what did I do I felt like Brett Gardner you know just hit a bomb and the crowd's going nuts and be well you know Jeter and A-Rod are pissed you know uh, but it was certainly a, a cool thing and then when I got home I um, checked my machine and literally I booked the season finale of E.R., which at the time was probably the second biggest show uh, on television then. I was like, I can't believe. I'm like Oscar Gamble. I hit him in bunches, you know. You strike out for like months and next thing you know, you're hitting it out of the ballpark. But uh, it was awesome to be on that set uh, and to meet, meet everybody. And they were friendly, but, you know, they weren't overly friendly, but they were friendly enough to me, you know. And me and Debbie Mazar had a good time busting chops on the set. So that's my little friend story there, and uh, but it was cool. I got to work all week on it. So, and of course, now that show airs, the kids are all into it, and it's a, uh, it's like it's a huge show now. I mean, even for this generation. And I still get residual checks. Sometimes they're a dollar and a half, but sometimes they're a little bit more than that. You know what I mean? So God bless friends. It was one of the awesome boat, my top three bookings. It was not as big as Beer League. I mean, let's not get crazy. I mean, when you work with the great Artie Lang and Ralph Macchio, you don't want to, uh, which by the way, Ralph Macchio at the time had nothing going on. And now, of course, he's Cobra Kai guy. So, but, uh, Ralph was, a, Ralph was a good guy. I'm just, I like throwing Ralph under the bus every now and then. But no, he's a, he's a great guy. He actually did me a really sweet thing um, for me and my daughter, sending sending me a nice little note on her birthday. So I got a huge kick out of that. But uh, so that's it. That's my book and her friends. And uh, every week I'll try to come up uh, with a different show that you guys may remember and what happened on the set and the goofy things because there was a lot of a uh, lot of goofy things that, that uh, occurred uh, at certain shows. So Anyway, listen, we have a very special guest coming up in a little bit, um, coming up next actually, and he's an old buddy of mine. He's actually a Rutgers basketball player. Me and him met, I met him in 1983 as I was a freshman. Best thing about a freshman, they become sophomores. I was a freshman. He was a junior, and his name is Brian Ellery. He was the Rutgers point guard. And this guy's done a lot. I mean, he was four-year starter. He was a great point guard. He dished the ball to John Battle, and Battle played 10 years in the NBA. He also went on to coach all over the place, uh, including four years at Michigan in the Big Ten, which is huge. And there's uh, all kinds of stories about that I want to say. And uh, when we come back, we will have Brian
1: Ellerby. You know, as I get older, I tend to appreciate different things. One thing I love now more than I ever have in the past is some unique furniture. Not just any furniture, unique custom furniture made by Battle Rattle Woodworks. He's specialing in charcuterie boards for all those parties you're about to host when this weather gets a little nicer. Even better, if you enter the code CHOP15 at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your entire purchase. Massive savings, on some unique American-made stuff. Help support your local veteran right now and visit them on social media at Battle Rattle Woodworks. Hey guys, Sturch here from the Chop Sports Podcast, and I want to tell you a little bit about sunflower meadow seasoning. First of all, a guy my size likes flavor on his food, and there's nobody other than Jess that I go to for that. Her flavors range from French onion, BLT, Cajun country, so much more. They got dip blends, season shakers, smoothie mixes. Not even kidding, I've added some of their smoothie mixes to my post workout protein shakes, and my goodness, what a difference. Get on over to sunflowermeadowseasoning.com for their Entire list of products. Tell them Chop Sports sent you.
0: All right. Our next guest, or our first guest of the second show, is an old, old friend of mine. I met this guy in 1983 at Rutgers University of course it had to be at Rutgers University and uh this guy uh you know I was just a little freshman I probably weighed about 106 pounds and um uh, we were in these dorms and we lived where all, all the football players and basketball players so there I am this little little Italian guy and all of a sudden I see these monsters walking in who they seemed way taller than me at the time but I'm not so sure about that now and uh One of the guys was on my actual floor and he was uh, kind of a quiet, shy guy, but uh, he was an awesome player. When I went to one of the games, I was like, oh my God, this guy's great. But for some reason, he got a kick out of us. We couldn't have been more different than him at the end of the hall. He had his own room, and we had like seven guys to each little jail cell, and he had his own room, which was cool. And uh, occasionally he had some women coming in and out of there. We were like, oh, look at that guy, man. That guy's got some action going on there, you know? And then we would like kind of mock him out afterwards. And so his name is Brian Ellerby, and he uh, he was a four-year starter at Rutgers Basketball from 81 to 85, and he went on to coach at... South Carolina and DePaul and a bunch of other schools. Uh, then he became a head. He was a, also a head coach at uh, Loyola Marymount down in Maryland. And then his biggest thing Baltimore, I'm sorry. And um, but his biggest thing, he ended up being the um, the Michigan head coach for four years. And uh, as the story goes, and he'll fill us in when he gets on, he, he got hired at Michigan. He was there about 10 days. And all that scandal broke out with the Fab Five and Fisher the coach, and so the university fired everybody, but Brian Ellerbee because the guy didn't even probably know his name, didn't know anything about him, and uh, he was like, and the season started like in I don't know two weeks or something like that. So the guy basically said, Brian, you just run practices till I get like a real coach in here, and then Brian was like, okay, what am I going to do? So Brian coached him, and then I, you know, Brian kind of realized, wait a minute. I've been a head coach. I'm I'm your guy, you know. And he walked into his office and said, "Hey, you should hire me as the interim. We'll solidify everything. We'll get settled down. Then you could hire someone in the off season." And that's what they did. And Brian ended up staying there uh, for four years. And uh, obviously, he didn't win enough because if he did, he'd still be there making <laughs> millions of dollars, and I'd be doing his podcast. But he's going to come on to mine. And um, but he also had his hands tied there because, I mean, you know, coming off that scandal, Michigan. Uh, he had almost an impossible job to deal with all that fallout and he did a pretty good job of it.
2: But anyway, I'd like
0: to have on my show right now, the second episode, Mr. Brian Ellerby. How you doing, man?
2: Jimmy, it's great to see you, man, and I love the introduction. You you had it almost right. You got a great memory,
0: (laughs) yeah. So I am sure there's little details there that we know that we don't even want to discuss, but
2: uh, exactly, exactly. uh,
0: But uh, so, Brian, first of all, I want to start out by uh, saying, obviously, you know, uh, you were the last the you were the starting point guard. When Rutgers won its last NCAA game in 1983, I believe. So okay. let's t- tell us a little bit about what that was like, and and how you feel about you know this year's squad making the tournament.
2: Well, funny thing is that I talked to one of the uh, assistant coaches today at Rutgers, Carl Hobbs. Okay, who's a, a good friend of mine. We actually worked together. We've known each other a long time, and uh, I was kind of busting his chops yesterday because if you if you got a chance to see the guys. They toured the Indianapolis Motor Speedway yesterday Oh wow! before the selection show. So they show the Rutgers bus going around the speedway, <laughs> and they show the kids get off the bus, and I see Hobsey get off the bus. And I go, Jesus, <laughs> you <look> like <laughs> you look like you you could be one of the drivers. You want to be uh, an Indianapolis 500 driver? So he texted me back. We got a big kick out of that. And then, you know, an hour later, their name was called. So. Oh, but yeah, cool. we, you know, I was fortunate enough to play on the last Rutgers team to win an NCAA tournament game. That, was, that uh, was my,
0: I was a senior in high school. I didn't even meet you yeah, yet.
2: Yeah. Wow. We were, we were pretty good. Um, funny thing that I remember about that, Jimmy, is we were a little cocky going into the tournament. Um, we had beaten a few people and, uh, you This know, was uh, the Atlantic had, 10
0: days, right? Atlantic 10, right.
2: Yeah, we were, we were Atlantic 10 days. But we had beaten some Pac-10 teams that came into the rack. And, right. and we, we beat, uh, I think, Oregon and Stanford. And, you know, we had beat some people. And um, so we looked at the bracket. So our first round game, we're playing Southwest Louisiana with a guy named Andrew Tony. You might remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So, you know, we looked at him. and ah, like, you know, pretty good team. And so then the second round game was St. John's. And oh, I didn't we realize. had beaten St. John's. Earlier in the year. Wow,
0: so that's that right. was a – so Rutgers, St. John's,
2: second round of the
0: tournament? Oh, that's Second awesome.
2: round of the tournament. And we had beaten them earlier in the year. And so we're looking at it. it was like, okay, we got the Johnnies again. We're on a neutral court in Hartford. So we look at oh, – we win the second game. We're in the Sweet 16. We're playing Georgia. Now, Georgia at the time – I did not realize you
0: guys went to the
2: Sweet 16 that year. No, no, no. We didn't. I said if we had. Oh, if if things, we had
0: one, um, if we had. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, were, we,
2: we you just, we just rocked my we world there. Like, how could I not <laughs> yeah, know this? Yeah, yeah, I said we were cocky. We were already looking at it. Right. We like, oh okay, yeah. We beat yeah. the Johnnies earlier, so we said, well, "Geez, we beat the Johnnies. We're we'll probably end up playing Georgia. And yeah, Georgia okay, had okay. their starting center was like six seven. Right. And so we had Roy Henson at 6'10", six, six, You know, Clarence Silver and you know, we were huge. And um we were like, oh man, this 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 could be great. And um, heck, we get in the second round against Bay Jobs and we, oh my gosh, we laid an egg. <laughs> <laughs> that's what always happens. We laid an egg, but, uh, oh, but it was a good it was a good run, and you yeah, know we cool. had some really good players and good team. It was a fun time though, man. It was a really fun so,
0: time. So, so. Um, uh, before we get into this year's squad, I got to so Now, wait a minute. You, mm-hmm. you graduated uh, high school and in, in, down in Bowie, Maryland. Right. That's and that's uh, right. tell me, uh, you were, you were like, you played in the McDonald's all American game at one point. And on that's the court, right. on the court was Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing. Now right. I think that is, I mean, <laughs> that's a, but one time, one time you told me, and, and maybe you were being just being cocky with me a little bit, but you weren't being cocky. Uh-huh. I was like I was like dude you were on a court with Jordan and Ewing and you looked at me and they were like you were like well to be honest with you at the time they were on a court with me and I was like <laughs> no way and then I then I realized I, you know I giggled I was like oh he's just talking trash but then I realized that you know these these players when you're in high school everybody's at that point rated at a different spot and some guys are rated really high, then they stink. Some guys are rated really low, then they make the Hall of Fame. You don't really know at each, you know, not everybody's LeBron or Kobe, you know, at that level. So uh, that's awesome. You you played with them. I think that's the funniest thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the funny thing back then is we all knew each other because the, what's quote-unquote now called the AAU circuit. Right. It was a small group back then. Like, picture this. The whole state of New Jersey had one AAU team, which is 12 guys. So you got the best 12 guys.
0: Okay, I see. So
2: that's what AAU was like back then. Right. And so when you did go to a tournament or you went to camp, you saw Ewing and Joy. You saw those guys. So we saw them, you know, six, seven times before we played in the McDonald's game. Right. So – Funny thing is is that, you know, Michael was pretty good. Everybody knew he was pretty good. But his his roommate, Buzz Peterson, was player of the year in North Carolina.
0: That's so funny. You're yeah, like, man, Michael was cool. pretty good. People knew him.
2: Yeah, he was pretty good. He was, <laughs> it was, it was, like, really athletic. Couldn't dribble at all. That's you like know?
0: that's like me saying, you know what? It's, yeah. like me, it's like me saying, you know, Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh, they're pretty good. You know They're all right. You know? <laughs> exactly. They're not as good as the Jimmy Palumbo show. Come on. All
2: right, all right. The one thing I do remember is, In the McDonald's game, they beat us, and the game was pretty much over. And you know how guys, you know, get the ball, and it's like five seconds left, and they got a breakaway, and they just go and dunk it. Right. So it was like five or six seconds left, and Michael had the ball, and they were going to win anyway. And so he just went, and he took off, like almost for the free throw line. And he just went airborne and he was like, boom. And everybody looked at him like, nah, I don't want to nah. And it just it was, nobody
0: said anything. But then it now that I was like, that's, your that's, move, that's like Air Jordan, man. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. As long as you as long as long as you no. didn't, uh, you, you didn't have to guard him, did you?
2: You know what? You know, you play in those games and the pickup games and stuff, so you guard everybody. Oh, because I was know, dying, then, I was dying that, for I
0: you was... to say you shut them down.
2: No, 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 no. I mean, we had we had some really good players, too. I mean, we had guys like, uh, you know, I don't know how what your audience is like. We had a guy named Adrian Branch, who's really good friends of mine, played at Maryland, played in the NBA. He's got a ring. Right. Um we had two guys that played on the Georgetown National Championship team, Coach Thompson's first team.
0: Right. So you were um, you were playing. Your team was stacked. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: And Ewing, Ewing played with us even though he wasn't supposed to be on our team. We didn't want him on our team. That's funny. He comes in the locker room and we're like, what are you doing in here? <laughs> Get, here. Get out of here. You're not from D.C., Maryland. We don't need you're, number 33. You're, you're, we don't need you. And so the Georgetown hookup was to – put him with the local guys because two of his teammates were on our team. But okay. Coach Thompson had hooked it up. We were like, there you get that guy here, See a little, little tidbit so, there. So, yeah, So, yeah, so yeah. let's yeah. see.
0: Now you were obviously at the time now for all my dumb Rutgers fans out there that don't realize that you know, we've been so awful for so long that Rutgers actually from mm-hmm. like, I don't know, 75 to 83 was like very good. They won a lot of games. Obviously 76, They were undefeated. Uh, Matter of fact, the great trivia question is name the only university that went undefeated in Rutgers and football and basketball in the same season and the answer is Rutgers because they went 24 and 0 in the regular season in basketball and the football team went 11 and 0 and that that'll never happen you know that kind of thing so uh but uh, Rutgers basketball was much different than it was today i mean it's been so long they've been so awful and they didn't go in the big east and that kind of killed them but i mean they were like so all the players that you played with and recruited were like top notch guys could have went you know you like you weren't going to Seton Hall at the time. That was a grade below. St. John's, of course, was St. John's. But Rutgers' competition was Georgetown, St. John's, uh, you know, all the big studs at the time. So you were, you were a, a very high recruit, and you get to Rutgers. And uh, tell me what it was like to play, really, what was it like playing basketball at Rutgers, I guess? It's an open-ended question, but.
2: You, you, you know what? It, it was a great time. And it, as you mentioned, you know, Rutgers had had some success. Um, obviously. Um, And, you know, I I was a very fortunate guy. I led the DC, Maryland, Virginia area and scored for two straight years. Right. And got recruited pretty heavily. Um, And, um, you know, but when I, when I visited, I had an opportunity to really dive into the history even more. Um, Art Perry recruited me. He recruited Eddie Jordan uh, from down in the DC area. And, and so, you know, I knew a little bit of the history. The Nets were playing at the rack.
0: I remember I went to a Nets game at the not, rack.
2: was not built. As a matter of fact, on my visit, I went to a Nets game. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of tradition. Coach Young, you know, had some obviously really good players. And the you know, rack James was new. Bailey, the rack was only the rack was That's only right.
0: five years old. It was like the hottest ah, new.
2: Right.
0: Now it's, of yep. course, it's a great, it's, it's an ugly looking thing, it, but it's exactly, also a great place exactly.
2: to play. Exactly. So you, you you put put it in perspective. In eighty, you know, you had a good facility. You know, the proximity from where I was from was very comfortable for me. Right. Um. You know. Uh, I, you know. You Bill were Nova also and UConn and those guys were recruiting you, and I was like, eh. you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like. Well, you were oh, also. Uh,
0: one of the things that um, I always uh, admired about you as you know, as a couple years younger you weren't one of those players that like didn't go to class. And like, I remember you were, we you went to class time. and you, you, I, mean, oh, yeah. I think your major was labor studies or something like that. And you, you urban were like, planning. you were like on yeah. campus, urban, you, planning.
2: urban, urban planning. planning. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, knew, right. Uh, uh,
0: right. but you were, you were one of you weren't one of those kids that was just, you know, milking it and yeah. stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. but, uh, but you, thing, you were I a, four, a four year starter.
2: I mean, how often yeah. that doesn't happen that often. You know what I mean? No. The they, thing you about you can't get them to stay can't get them to stay for four years. Yeah, right? it's true. Well, I hope <laughs> Rutgers for the NBA. They go somewhere else and transfer. I hope. Them, I hope.
0: Uh, I hope Rutgers can get players that don't play for four years. They go somewhere else. Right now, <laughs> Rutgers has players that stay for like nine years. But the uh, uh, one of the things, me and my brother, my brother uh, Frank's a big fan as well, and. You are a, such a solid point guard. I still think you're in the top five, maybe now recently with so many kids now. You were in, like, the assist category, leader and assist and stuff. I think you were number two or number one in some category. But me and my brother always, when we watch the games today, you were very solid bringing the ball up. Now, I know this sounds really simplistic, but, like, when you stink, right, and your point guard can't bring the ball up and you're a fan – it's almost like the center in football. If you can't make the snap, you're like, you gotta be able to bring the ball up. Even if you stink, get the ball up. So. When we, me and my brother, we judge point guards today. We'll watch the game and I'll, I'll call him up. Frank, you see this guy? He's coming over. He's not like Ellerby. You bring the ball up, nice. You bring
2: it up, you set, you go. You know,
0: and uh, and then I realized that you brought the ball up and just gave it to John Battle and then he,
2: right, John right. Battle shot. He's you know good. what's so funny about that, Jimmy? Is I, you know I was a shooter in high school.
0: No, you didn't shoot if enough. It, we still think you didn't shoot I, enough, it, it,
2: exactly. And when I got to Rutgers. You know, I ended up moving to the to. I played mostly second guard my first my my second year, but you know, I would, would what you would probably call a combo, and it was great for Tom. Now that I right. started coaching, I see what my value was. He right, could, he could start me at either one. Right, so it didn't matter who he would bring off the bench because I could go to either one and one, and one, he'd extend the bench.
0: One time, I, I I made a joke about you know I said yeah you bring the ball up good and I said uh you know no one really stole the ball from you and you looked me dead in the eye and you said no one ever stole the ball from me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't quite remember it that way, but you know. No, no. Uh, no
2: that's so, not going
0: to happen. So anyway, you play at Rutgers and then you become a grad assistant for a year, which is cool. I got to see you for another year and then uh, then you started coaching, man. And you know I I can talk all day long about the various places you coached. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Bowling Green, George Mason, South Carolina, Virginia. These were all, you know, South Carolina. They big programs at the time. Still are. Virginia, another big program. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got your first head coaching job at Loyola. Um, yeah. I think I might have went to one of your first games, actually. Uh, um, St. Peter.
1: Peter's. St. Peter's, Peter's, yeah. Was that St.
0: Peter's? You know, because you were, you were all calm, cool, and collected. I remember, like, <laughs> I wanted to look at you like, dude, you're ahead head like, I've known him for so long now, Brian, that you forget. Like, I wanted to go up to you, and go like, "Dude, you're a D one head coach. What the hell is this?" You know. And you were real. You are always in front of. Whenever you were in public, one thing you, you always had that coach calm, cool look. Like, you know, I got it under control. But inside, I wanted to go. You ain't got nothing under control. You're you're a D one head coach. You know, you beat St. Peter's, and I looked at the other coach. I'm, I'm about to throw the coach under the bus. The other guy, on the other side, looked like he was been coaching. 10 years too long he had like he had like gray hair and he had like you know baggy pants and he looked like he had like he looked he looked like a guy selling carpets on route 17 right and you had this Badass suit on, you know, and I'm like, I was like, oh man, my boy looks much better than that guy. Then I realized, oh man, if he coaches that long, he's gonna be one of those guys. <laughs> he's gonna look like Cheney on Temple before you know, you know, so you know, you right. know, those suits wouldn't fit you like they used to back then. And uh, but that you were cool right. about it. It was cool to see someone, you know. I, I guess the same thing as an acting. If you if you see one of your buddies in a movie in a theater, you're like, I know this guy. He's on the screen, you know? And uh, yeah. so it was, that was a big thrill for me. So, um, I mean, what was it like to, to be a Division One head coach for the first time?
2: You know, I was I was fortunate. I mean, you know, I, I always worked with and for really good guys. I think that, you know, it's just like any other industry. You could work with some real jerks. Right. You know, but I was pretty fortunate. I mean, even when I was a grad assistant, Craig Little Page was the was the head coach. Yeah.
0: Turn the and, page.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm I'm the I'm the grad assistant and I never forget this. At the end of the year, you know, I'm getting ready to pack up and, you know, go home, you know, at the end of the year. And, and Page calls me in and he goes he goes he says, he, says, he called me B. He said, Hey B, um, you wanna do this? I go, What are you talking about? You want to, you want to coach? I go, I never thought about it. I'm, I'm here to go to grad school. I mean, he goes, I go, you really think I could coach? He's like, hell, I just watched you for a year. You're better than these guys I'm paying. <laughs> she, said, she said, my best friend, Jim Laranega, just got the head job at Bowling Green. I'll give him a call tomorrow and you can go interview And I'm pretty sure he'll hire you because he's going right. to do what I tell you.
0: I remember I he didn't even know where Bowling Green was. was.
2: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And so I I go home and I drive to Charlottesville and I meet with Jim. And it was a formality. He offered me the job right on the spot. I never even visited the place. That's awesome. And um, so, you know, and then I worked with Jim. Jim was, he still is a great, probably one of the best X and O guys I've ever been around. Yeah, I went to George Mason with a guy named Ernie Dexter. We win the CAA. Do you remember? Do you remember the rule though? I'm going
0: to interrupt you. Do you remember the rule was whenever? Because it seemed like every year you were at a different school. You know, working your way up. But the rule was wherever you went, I'd call you up, and you would be like, "Hey, Jimmy, what's up? I'm busy, man. I'm on a recruiting trip." Like. No, bro. I want extra large sweatshirt. I want a hat. You'd be like, "Oh man, what do you mean?" i would be like, "No, I get two from my brother, because I, I told my brother wherever you go, I got to be wearing a hat." Because I'm like, "Who's wearing a bowling green t-shirt, in New Jersey?" You know? And you'd be like, "You were like,"
1: and you would be like,
0: at "Yeah," at you would be like, "Oh man!" And then like two weeks later, I'd get the box. and You would call me up and go, "You know, Jimmy, that was a pain in the ass getting all that to go to the bookstore, and <laughs> it wasn't like you were at Duke or North Carolina." When you make a phone call, you had to go. I was like, "Wait, Brian I don't want you to shop yourself (laughs) and stuff. Don't you have a guy?" You were like, "I'm the guy." It was so, and you know what? To this day, I got crap laying around. I'll go through an old sock drawer or something. i am be like, what the, George Mason? What the hell am I doing with this? And I realized, oh, my God, Brian Ellery coached there. That's so funny.
2: Oh, that's too funny. That's so yeah, great. Man. but you're right. I mean, like, we were just, we were like on fumes, those programs. And, you know, Mason was a little bit better. You know, right. I get to George, I go to Bowling Green, Jimmy. I make 12 Five. Wow. As an assistant, the next year I get a big fat raise to twelve eight. <laughs> That's great. So now, so now, when you went, what, what,
0: what were the differences? Well, I guess we, uh, you know, we don't have. I I, I can spend four hours talking to you, but um, what were the differences between like, um, say George Mason as an assistant and like Virginia. Because like, Virginia is a long-time big program. What were the differences as an assistant coach in those programs
2: for you? You had to get a top – you had to get top 50 kids. Right. I mean, you got to remember, you know, that was during Carolina's run. Right. You know, they had, you know, the best players. Um. You know, everybody in the ACC had pros. Right. You know, we were the academic school with good players. Guys stay around. You know, right. continuity, the whole bit. And, and we needed guys that could, you know, academically do the work too. Right. That's so tough. We well, Rutgers has that different same different problem kids. now. Yeah. Yeah. we were recruiting a little different kids. So, but but Virginia was excellent because we had a young staff, good guys. But I got to recruit the, the kids that you want to see in the NBA.
0: That's awesome. You know,
2: so I had to recruit the top fifty. So. I'll never forget my first, rec- our first recruiting class. You know, we had to re- replace a Jersey guy, John Crotty. He was a senior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to I had to get a point guard. So I just go, okay, well, who are the three best point guards in the country? It was Travis Best, a guy named Howard Nathan from Chicago, and Corey Alexander. So oh, wow. I just recruited all three of. them. <laughs> That's,
0: so you, you're not a George Mason anymore.
2: <laughs> that's, right. that's right. I got I to gotta get one of those guys, though. The pressure to get them was, you know, immense. So, but, you know, it was fun doing it, and it wasn't like work to me. Right. And so I think that's why it was, it, we were pretty successful at getting good recruiting classes and get, getting good kids, and it all worked out. That's we had, cool. We had some pretty good teams there.
0: So you're at Loyola, you're a head coach. Um, yeah. You know, I know I know from some of the history of Loyola, I think uh, this is just me uh, as being a fan. I think you wanted to take Loyola to another level. And That's sometimes right. the school, uh, and I'm not saying anything that people don't know, sometimes, and, and it happened right. at Rutgers too, I think, when they joined the Big sure. Ten. The school's got to be all in on what you're trying right. to do. Otherwise what happens is, you know, you're trying to recruit the top Point guard in the country, and they're worrying about. Wait, what diner did you go to on the receipt? Like you know, and all of a sudden you you're like, you you're go. talking about a ten dollar diner bill. I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get some yeah, Michael there. Jordan guy. So sometimes the schools aren't on the same page. So you end up uh, things don't work out after a while. Loyola, even though you, you your last year there, you started to win. So uh, tell me this Michigan thing. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta sum it up because I don't care what anybody says. Your story that's wild to me. So you take the job, it, it was. and then what happened? It was. You take it the was. job in
2: Michigan. I, I can remember. I, I, I got the job May 29th. And on July 1, the athletic director quit. Oh, wow. So and the I guy got, who hired you quit. You know, a, a month a month earlier, he's like, hey, you know, this is Michigan. You know, we're here forever. We've never fired a coach in the history of the program. And wow! Da, 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 and then he leaves. He leaves in thirty-one days. <laughs> so, I'm, welcome, I'm welcome to, to the big recruiting. time. Recruiting. Exactly. I'm on the road recruiting. I think I was in L.A. Recruiting, um, and I think I was up there looking at. Uh, oh, what's the big kid that was at uh, with the Knicks for a while, Tyson Chandler. Okay. So I'm, about to, I'm about to recruit Tyson Chandler. And um, I get a phone call. It's like, you got to be back in Ann Arbor tomorrow at noon. I'm in LA. Right. You know, it's like 4 o'clock. And I'm like, I got to get on the red eye, like, now? You know? So I fly back. My wife picks me up from the airport. And she's downloading all this information. Like, you wouldn't believe what's been going on in Ann Arbor we got to go to this rally I go go to a rally. What are you talking about? So we had to go to a rally. It was called, we believe in Steve rally. So it was already out that the, you know, they were looking at, you know, making a change. And so there was a groundswell of support that he had had. So did
0: did you you think, did you and your wife think, Oh, we're going to, we're going out with the bathwater.
2: Exactly. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is going on? We hadn't been there, you know, two months. Wow. And so, you know, long story short, we get through um, July recruiting, go through August. And I think it was almost six, seven days before you could start practicing. I, we we're playing Northwestern in football. Now, you got to understand, you go to a Michigan football game. If you don't leave at the half, you're probably going to leave like four hours later. You, it's 100,000 right, people. Sure. It out. So I leave at halftime. We didn't have any recruits on campus. I'm in my garage. I still got boxes and everything. And I'm listening to the radio. So they beat Northwestern. And then there's a special announcement. The athletic director gets on after our head coach Lloyd Carr finishes speaking, and he's, "I got an announcement to make. We have just made a change with the head basketball. I'm listening to it in my garage." Wow we just made a change We're we're releasing we're letting Steve go as the head coach at the University of Michigan blah 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 And blah, this blah, is blah. Steve
0: Fisher Fab 5 I mean he was a very exactly. popular probably the popular exactly. biggest head coach in the country at that point
2: it, Exactly so I'm 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 like like oh my god so And thinking, was your wife was your hell wife hell still, did
0: your wife did your wife yell at you to continue to clean
2: out the garage no, no, while no, you, the garage while you maybe getting fired house. I don't even know where everybody else is and so, so it, one of the reporters goes, "Where well, who's going to take over the program? Now understand this. There was two guys on the staff named Brian.
0: Oh my God. I didn't realize that.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. Brian Dutcher, who's at San Diego state right now. He was the other guy. Okay. So, so one reporter said, who's going to take over the program until, you know, you figure out what you're doing He say we're going to put Brian in there, and he's going to take over the program now my a d was a brand new a d he just got hired a month beforehand right he was hired to fire Fisher, and I always remember that the president didn't have the muff enough you know what to make the call. <laughs> he hired the guy to do that, so he became the villain
0: and the, and the new a d probably didn't even know your last
2: name <laughs> exactly he didn't, and they said. Well, who, who you having? Brian Dutton? He goes, no, Brian Kelly. And that's when I found out I was going to be taking over the program just until they he could it. figure out what the heck he was going to do. Wow. That's so awesome. I get, I'm like, I'm in my garage and I'm like, what the hell? So now, you know, this is before cell phones and everything. So right. it's like, I go. Who do I call? I mean, everybody's gone. It's a Saturday. It's a football game. You know who do I call? So I get a call, and it's like you need to come over and meet the new age, the new athletic director at uh, some house on campus where like Mike Wallace stays when he comes to right. or something. And so I go, okay. So I pick up the other two assistants and we're driving over. They're like, Brian, what the hell is going on? I'm like, I don't know. I've been here a month. You guys have been here for like three years. <laughs> they said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm taking my resume with me. And the only thing I want to know is am I getting paid for the year?
0: <laughs> right.
2: That's all I want to know. Now, you're talking, this is like October. i was like, I just want to know I'm getting paid for the year. So otherwise you'd be screwed. year to figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. So we get over there and he goes, listen, I'm going to let you take over the program, you know, and we're going to have a search. So here I am. I'm taking over the program. I barely know the place. I'm the new guy. I've only been there three months. Right. And so.
0: Did you have to keep those you know, two assistants or they
2: got, they got fired too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I definitely, because we were the only guys around. I mean, was there I any, knew, uh, I was still living with one of the assistants up until like a week before I was said, you know, bunking with him. Was there any you
0: animosity know. like, oh man, why'd this new guy
2: get Well, it? later on, later on after a while, but you know, during this time we were all in survival mode. Right. And so you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, we're just holding the fort down doing, spree, you know, preseason conditioning and everything. So, you know, we start doing some workouts and stuff. So, you know, things are going okay. Then we start practice and practice is okay. So I'm thinking to myself, let me go down and find out what's going on. And so right. I, I go down and I have a meeting with the, with the AD. One day after practice, nobody else is around. So I get enough balls to say I say, "Hey, his name's Tom Goss. I said, "Tom, uh, the search for a new head coach. How is it going?" And he's like, uh. "I said, well, why don't you? What do I have to do to keep the job?" So he looks at me like, "You?"
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and I had been a head coach, right? So I said, "And you've been well, in like seven programs before, yeah? I've, I've called a time about before, right. you know." And so, um, Plus, you were in the quads at, at, at
0: Rutgers with Jimmy Palumbo. I hope I'm sure you brought <laughs> exactly, that up first.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so he looks at me. He says, "You're serious?" I said, "Absolutely." He I said, "I tell you what. If you do these five things, I'll 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 let you be uh, an interim, and at the end of the year, I'll consider you for the job." And the five things were make sure that all these bums stay out of the newspaper and not get in trouble. All right. That's what, exactly how he said it. Okay. He said, I want all your scenes to graduate. Oof. I want you to win the big 10. <laughs> I want you to go to the NCAA tournament. Okay. And did you have never to never talk to the press without someone with you?
0: Wow. And you did all those things.
2: And at the end of the year, he, he, he kept his word.
0: Wow. Did you have to wash his car too? I mean those are like <laughs>
2: no. on, that's a he just let he rattled up. Exactly. Wow.
0: Exactly. That's and, awesome.
2: You know, you know, it just it was just one of those things and, and for me I look back on it, you know, I, I, I told the, the players that this ain't about me. I might not even be around for the year. All all
0: I remember I mean, is this watching is about you. I remember watching channels after watching you play at all these little places, right? I'm watching Channel Two. You guys were playing Duke when Duke was well, they still are good.
2: Duke oh, was yeah, they Duke, were number right? one in the country. And
0: and there, there's Michigan Duke. It's like the four o'clock game on Saturday. CBS. And they got CBS. CBS game before sure. there's a million cable channels and all this I mean, sure. you know, all these uh big ten networks. And I look over yeah. and there's Brian with the Badass suit on. And I'm like, he looks yeah. the same like he did in Loyola. This is yeah, nuts.
2: Yeah. And, and then you guys, I think you beat him that one. You beat him, I think. We did. I we, mean, it was a phenomenal game. We're down like you were losing, right with like 8-9 to go. And Trailer and Bullock was like, nah, right. it ain't happening today. Right.
0: Because he, that's right, you it coached Tractor Trailer and, uh, that's and right. Bullock, and right? And Lewis
2: Bullock, yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, Tractor Trailer passed game. away, Rep on that's him. That's right. Um, That's right. But he ended That's up. Right. Uh, he
0: played a few years in the NBA.
2: So, yeah, so had, he had a nice career.
0: You end yeah. up. Um, you end up. Uh, you know things. Obviously, you know in Michigan, if you don't win thirty-five games a year, um, you know uh, they, they they change horses.
2: We had I had three athletic directors in four years. Yeah,
0: you you had no you had no chance there. You had no chance.
2: Yeah, exactly. And plus,
0: exactly. people probably link you to the scandal, and you you weren't even hey, you, you were co- you were you were a, you were cleaning we're out LBF your garage during that
2: scandal. System. We had the FBI following us all year. Oh, that's great!
0: Now you sound like you're Italian yeah. from New
2: Jersey on that. Right? Yeah, it was yeah,
0: <laughs> so. From, all right,
2: from so Colonia, then from Colonia, Colonia. That's right. So, uh,
0: so you ended up working uh, at uh, different jobs. You end up leaving the business for a little bit, and now tell yeah. me a little bit about what you got going on right now. Where are you?
2: Well, right now I'm the athletic director at Archbishop Carroll High School, the home of uh, where John Thompson went to went to high school. Okay, um, and that's Eddie a Jordan.
0: that's a big time that's prep a, school, right?
2: No, we're 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 just a regular high, regular high, high school. school, but okay. our league is considered one of the best leagues in the country, now, uh, year in and year out. Even though you know, we're just Massa, St. John, Gonzaga, we just, we're like the proving ground for, okay. for the ACC and the Big East. I mean, we got players come out of here the year yeah.
0: But the most important thing is um, I'm noticing now uh, the listeners can only hear you, but I can see you on the Zoom. So it makes it easier to talk. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed you got some swag there. You got a little uh, is that your high school uh, thing there?
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, we, guess uh, what? Guess what? Goal. Well, you know what the that's rule is. You
0: know what the rule is, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so tomorrow when you go to work, you got to go say, I need to get some. Remember you tried to get me sneakers one time? I said, you said, Jimmy, what's your size? I said, 10. And you went, I got no players that wear a size 10 <laughs>
2: Okay, well, I, I like, got a guy wearing size ten. I'm getting fired. I <laughs> know. Uh, so, that's right. And so now
0: you got to go down there tomorrow, and you got to get me some swag from that uh, Archbishop Carroll. No, question, no Yeah.
2: Matter <laughs> of fact, I just signed The Nike deal last July. Oh, Nike. Uh, nice
0: Nike fit, yeah, That fits yeah. me good. All right. Yeah. Extra yeah. large. And uh, <laughs>
2: right. Well, I got some. I got some Adidas stuff. I need to get rid of since we didn't go with it. Okay. So well, like, give me give me
0: the Adidas stuff. So that's cool. So you have any uh, yeah. any kids there are going D one football or basketball now? Well, or no chance. Anyone? Yeah,
2: actually, yep. Actually, um, we have we had quite a few kids for football. Um, unfortunately, because we obviously didn't play this year, right? Um, we were sending the kid to Temple. He, he's definitely a Big East, Big Ten player. Uh, Rutgers was recruiting him, but you know, um, Shiano and those guys never got a chance to see the kid play. Right, he's a national honor society kid, six six, about two ninety five. Okay. Temple got a steal; they don't even know what they have.
0: Right, well, we'll, we'll get we'll get him we'll get him in the portal two years from now when he exactly, realizes exactly. what am I doing at
2: Temple? We, we sit, we're sitting at a six five, like two hundred thirty five pound tight end to, to Navy. They got no clue how good this kid is. They right. got lucky.
0: Well, that's cool. I'm um, glad. That's great that you're yeah. uh, being an AD for all these yeah. uh, kids. I got I got yeah, another thing yeah, to ask you. Fun. Um uh, since uh, there's a team that made the tournament this year called St. Bonaventure. And mm-hmm. back in the day, Rutgers played St. Bonaventure all the time. Let me know what it was like to play in St. Bonaventure. I mean, I believe you had to fly to Buffalo. God.
2: <laughs> and then you fly had to get Fly to up. Buffalo and they had to bus to Oleanne. <laughs> and we had to stay in this place called the Castle Inn. <laughs> And it was one of those motel.
0: Don't tell, mo- don't know, no tell motel. motel.
2: Exactly, <laughs> but it was the closest thing to to, to St Bonaventure's campus. And Coach Young would all we would always stay there. And um, it was like the worst trip. You didn't want to be there. Plus, it was cold. You didn't want to practice. You didn't want. It was freezing cold. You didn't want to go outside because it was. Three feet of snow. You had to walk outside to go to the meal, uh, and then
0: and no matter how good Rutgers was, if we were favored by twenty points, it was tie score with ten seconds ago.
2: And you we got beat there the a bench. lot. We got beat there. We get, we. Lo- I remember losing at the buzzer. Tom Sheehy hits a shot out of the blue, and I, I know Tom to this day. His brother uh, ended up being the number one player in the country and going to Virginia. St. Bonaventure. And, uh, Tom went to Syracuse and transferred to St. Bonaventure. I remember him throwing it in from half court right. out of the blue. I always I remember it. we. I remember one game, Jimmy. We were playing. They changed the time of the game because it was the last episode of Mash, and the whole campus. The was last in the episode MASH. of Mash.
0: Oh, that's great.
2: Yeah. So we were like change the time of the game? You think, Rutgers,
0: you you think Rutgers would change the, uh, the time of the game because I was on Friends, the season finale? You don't think that should have happened?
2: <laughs> and so we get in there and every day it's sold out, packed. You know, they're throwing pennies at us on the bench. You get, oh, that's the back great. Of the head. I mean, the, we'd be in there we'd be like, what the fuck is going on? They'd be like, Three and eight in the league. You know, we'd be like eight and three. You would think they were playing for the national title. To this day, when I uh, look, when I
0: see a a team, a team that's good, and in the paper, like, it'll say, you know, I don't know, some really good school at St. Bonaventure. I go,
2: oh, that team has no idea. Especially early in the year. It gets cold there early. It's dark. Oh, man. They had a little guard there I hated, too. He was probably one of the toughest guys in my four years to ever guard. A little guard named Alvin Locke.
0: I love how you remember these guys from that. You know,
2: oh, man, it was so freaking fast. I <laughs> tried to be like triple all <laughs> the time. <laughs> all
0: right, man, listen, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we got through most of your career. I think we did. And uh, real quick, what do you think Rutgers this year, the tournament, What's what are your thoughts on that?
2: You know what? This, they got Clemson. They got a tough bracket. I was talking to Hobbsy today. Clemson is just like they are—tough, right. physical, yeah, It's going to be a good game. Not a great shooting team. Well, neither are we. you know. And uh, exactly. And so, a couple guys make a few shots, but then if you get past them, you're looking at Houston.
0: I didn't. I haven't watched Houston this year. Are They good.
2: Houston is the dark horse of this tournament. Let me tell you something. Oh, it's bad. They, news. they are really, really, so really it, good.
0: You th- <laughs> it might be one no, and no, done no. if
2: we win. Houston, is one of those things. You would be like, if they're in the final four, you like, nah, I ain't spot. <laughs> right, I know they're the two seeds. You, know, you know, oh I my mean, god. You know I mean, you you know, guys, I know Kelvin Sampson, the head coach. I mean, he you know been knocking at the door. But know, for
0: me, bit, for me it. as a fan, the the the, the 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 selection was Sunday, so I got yep. five days till Friday. Right? That's right, And all I'm looking for is another two days. So I could say for seven days, we're in the tournament, man. And even Friday, right. the game's at 9 o'clock. I got all day to be like, yeah, Rutgers in the tournament. And then if they lose, well, we had five days out of it. But if we go to Sunday. You,
2: you, you know, one of the things uh, uh, kind of behind the scenes that I think will be very helpful for Paykel and the guys is when it's your first time, everything around you is nothing. Right, and the kids forget why they're there. (laughs) Right, I get it. I get that. And so now with this COVID and the isolation, you know, in a well, we we've been there now. Probably good. We're we're there
0: now. So uh, my biggest worry, I'm waiting for a get a text to say that somebody on Rutgers got COVID.
2: Yeah, because yeah, they got to go seven days in a row or something. Yeah, I it, hear, so um, I'm praying. Just, I them. just I
0: just want to see the balls roll out and like you know I want to have one of the ruckers playing. There. Yeah, I just want to see one of those jump shots that clanks off the rim and then I can say we made the tour it because you know I tell you there's games with ruckers. I love them but there's games yeah. I feel like going out there with my slacks on and my shoes and shoot I say listen hey get over here I want to play you guys in around the world I guarantee I'm better shot than you are. But uh, well, I
2: tell you what, Michael's teams will always defend and they'll rebound. Him yeah. and Hobbs—that's what they did in UConn. They're going to defend and rebound. The difference is when they were at UConn with those kids, they had a pro or two or the opposite. Right. We, thing.
0: We're uh, hopefully yeah. next next we're couple not of years. Quite
2: there. Not quite.
0: Not quite. We, we'll jump. get some players. Jump. Maybe we'll get it some jump. players yeah. from your high school to go there after studs.
2: Absolutely. Well, listen, Absolutely. Brian. It
0: was good talking to you. Good seeing you on the Zoom. And, um, yep. I will, uh, maybe I'll check in with you in the next couple of weeks as the tournament rolls on, Absolutely. especially if you, if we play Houston. Now, if we beat Houston, you know, I'm going to call you and tell you, say, you don't know what no you're question. talking about. It's no a,
2: question. There's a reason why you're an I'll AD right now. I love that call. <laughs> I love that call. Yeah, I and know then you pull will. out my record jersey
0: <laughs> And listen, and make sure you, make sure you tell all your, uh, your Michigan friends and all that about the podcast. Maybe we'll get some traction there. And of course, At I'm going to have Ed Zucker on eventually. That'll probably be my last podcast if he goes on.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll get we'll get Eddie on. All
0: right, man. Thank you so much.
2: I will talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Health and Fitness Professionals is your one-stop shop for all things sports medicine. They now have four locations in Woodbridge, Scotch Plains, South Plainfield, and Freehold, New Jersey. They're now offering physical therapy, occupational therapy, pain management, chiropractic services, acupuncture, cryotherapy. You name it, they do it. I can't say enough about their chiropractors on site. I get adjusted literally three times a week to get my old 35-year-old self feeling as best as possible. Contact them today. Check out their website www.hfrehab.com for more info. Hey guys, it's starts from the chop sports podcast. and I'm here to talk to you about LVC transport. I recently just had to help a family member move after living in the same house for over 20 years. You know what that means? That's a lot of stuff. So I called my buddy Chris over at LVC transport. He hooked it up with a massive dumpster huge discount now he's looking to help out every member of chop sports call him today drop the name chop sports and he's going to take 10 percent off the top right away just say chop sports and he's taking 10 percent off the top get your free estimate today give him a call 908-705-3006
0: all right it was so good to talk to brian Ellerby. i hope um I hope he's going to do great this year with his high school and uh, hope Rutgers does well. And I really appreciate Brian coming on the show. Me and him go way back and it's great talking about uh, all the different schools he was at. And I really had a kick out of that interview. And uh, next week, I guess that this is podcast number two and that's in the can. So that feels good for me. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but it feels good to me. <laughs> so maybe I either I either uh, put somebody to sleep or I woke them up. I don't know. But uh it really was a pleasure to do the second podcast. And next week we have a very special guest, which I think you guys are going to get a real kick out of. And um, we're not going to have my, uh, my boy Matty Barrow take us out with some music. And that's it. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Yeah, uh-huh.